The Itzi or Hauwa Marae in Tauwhare hosted a wānanga or three-day intensive learning forum called Let's Rumi or Rumi Rumi, a form of therapeutic massage and bodywork run by a Māori healers collective. It's very holistic. They're not just learning body techniques, they are learning the real. They're learning, um, we did a taku-taku last night. What's that? Like a kind of like a karakia that, that places a, a tapu over everyone and holds the space for the weekend while we're in Wananga. Moana Skipworth Losi runs a small business called Manaki Therapies. The business specialises in Rungua Māori and takes an holistic approach to health and well-being. In part two of this series about Māori healers and their work, I am joined with Moana, Manu Korefa of Napuhi, who has travelled extensively sharing his work, and Charlotte Milden, a PhD student with Te Whare Wānanga o Awanuiārangi. And I was actually very judgmental because I was brought up in Christianity and, and I found it difficult to do. And until I met Awhetia Mihaere and she said, Charlotte, you need to come, because I was doing Māori healing workshops, but I didn't really know what Māori healing was. The body is made up of three, three beings. You get the physical being, and that deals with the here and the now, what's going on right here, right now. You get the spiritual being, and that deals with yesterday and its emotional past. And then you get the mental being, that deals with tomorrow. E ngā manu ko tahuri mai ki tēnei irere, nau mai whakatau mai rā. Ko Justin Maria Hau, this is Tiahika on RNZ National. Moana Skipworth Losi grew up in Auckland and moved back to Hamilton recently with her small whānau. She runs Manaki Therapies in Hamilton, a business that specialises in running workshops in rungoa Māori, or tonics made from native plants, and a range of massage therapies. She talks about the experience of running this type of wānanga. So we see a lot of people who come in bent over, sore, aching, you name it, they've got come in with it. We get in there, it hurts, they scream, they cry, they... Tell you to stop? They do, but we listen to the body. We listen to the body, and the body can tell us what they can actually take. What's coming out of their mouth is what they think they can take. We listen to the body, we get in. Um, they're hurting. Yesterday we had a clinic, open clinic, so people came in for body work. We worked on them. If you were at any moment to walk in, you would see a lot of... It would have looked like a battleground. <laughs> right, because <laughs> people all over the floor, we do what we do. <laughs> and so does the body also tell you how long you're needed? Yeah, we don't give specific times. We don't say, OK, you're paying such and such for half an hour or an hour. We say, you come in, we'll treat you for as long as the body needs it. How did you get into this mahi? It wasn't until I stepped into this field that I actually learned that my nannies did it and uncles, aunties, grand-uncles. Yeah, oh, beautiful. Yeah, but, you know, with most of us, we all went on our own healing journey. We all, yeah, that's how we started. We had our issues that we had to deal with, and we went searching for an answer. 
I was lucky because I grew up in um, an environment where mm, I was very aware of Wairua. So, I mean, I grew up in central Auckland where it wasn't the done thing. But, you know, we'd wake up. My father's been gone for 23 years. We have a conversation, my brothers and I, sisters. Oh, have you seen Dad lately? You know, that's a normal kind of conversation. Oh, so your brothers and sisters actually share that? Yeah, we talk to each other. <laughs> There's 10 of us. It's normal. It's normal for us. But we know when we're out in the community, especially in Mount Eden, yeah, we didn't know it was not normal. Is this group exclusive? Can anybody come along to a healer's wānanga without knowing much about it? There are people who have come to this wānanga who have never experienced anything Māori. So yes, absolutely. Aotearangi and Manu and the Māori healers have a way of drawing out, I don't know, the best in us. <laughs> what we've <Yeah>. hidden. <laughs> can you t- I, mean, I know she's super, super busy. Atarangi, can you tell us a little bit about you? She's travelled extensively overseas, so we're here. She, she do, she's just come back for a USA tour. They've been away for four months. Um, before that, I think she was home. She's home for two weeks. She'll be away on a European tour, I think, for another few months. Um, she's got a, a one-week kawa'araki program in Hawaii in October. Then she'll be home for a week or so. Then she'll have a two-week intensive in November in August. Then they'll be home for, with their family for Christmas, and then they're off again on their another tour. And she is spreading this mahi. They're sharing it with the world, taking it to the world. So you have a um, quite a mix of people here. There's um, Māori, Pākehā. Are these the collective? All I did was put it out there on, fa- on the Facebook world, and whoever responded and was and was willing to come and participate, yeah, they're here. So we've got people from Australia. We've got someone from, I think he said he's come from Germany. I might be wrong. Yeah. Someone from South Island, another one from Wellington, one from Dargaville. They're from Ngahauefa. Over the three-day seminar, 60-plus people attended the Wānanga with about 42 participants, all from different cultures. Charlotte Milden has a background as a massage therapist, and it wasn't until her encounters with other Māori healers that her once sceptical views began to change. She explains. I speak from my own experience, you know. Um, I was brought up in the Christianity, yes. and I believed it was evil and black magic because I'd been taught that. It was in the Bible. So I thought, oh, yeah. And the first time I went to Wānang with Papa Dillamy, he actually yelled at us all and went, get over that fear, all of you, get over that fear. And he's right, because fear isn't real. The excitement and fear does the same thing to the body. So it took me some time, you know, I studied for a whole year with Papa Dillamy and in, in, um, in 2003 and he taught us just amazing things to use what you call a whatumanua, a place of um, deep knowing, you know, and how to access that so that you can listen to those ancestors and they'll guide you in, in using the inherent spiritual gifts we all possess as Māori. We know what, we do that on the marae the karanga, the whai we acknowledge those from the other world. You know, when we call in the spiritual, the spiritual calling is calling to the ancestors on the other side. You know, we're one with them. They're still with us and they live within us. So I think it's fabulous that when we come on the marae, it's intergenerational. We have the tamariki, the mokopuna, we have the mums, we have the, the children, we have the grandparents, all together learning from one another at the same time. So, you know, that normalises that, um, hey, it's okay to be 
no, Māori, the Vitanga Tafinua, we come from Papa Tonaku, we don't own her to our mother. And all our progeny, you know, Riko Riko, who sits beside, you know, and the male, female, you know, and then all their children. You know, we have Tangaro, who has Hinemuna Nui beside him, and then all their children, and she embraces them in the water. We need to bring back those female energies of the, the loving and the caring and the nurturing. The meaning of the word romiromi, roa, refers to the body's internal organs, and me means to agitate. Romiromi is deep massage and body work. Charlotte has worked as a contemporary Māori healer for 20 years and has taught many students. In fact, she is a student herself studying towards her doctorate at Te Whareiwānanga o Awanuiārangi. She says Romiromi is also about self-awakening. When you do this kind of mahi, the person becomes aware of their own body, their own spirit. They know when things are right or not right. Because in mental health, most of the unwellness is a spiritual phenomena, natural phenomena. You know, mamai, that, that we and our, our tonga, our experts in healing, have known how to, to release. And when we learn what it's like to be fuller and what it's like to release that and let that go, then we know the difference. So then we start learning ways of how to connect with Mother Earth. Put your feet on Mother Earth. Draw from your, you know, your, your power source. You know, go and hug that tree because we whakapapa to the tree. You know, listen to the birds when they come because the whakapapa, the wahine is from the birds. The synchronicity in this healing is to have the male energy as well as the female energy and the no concept. Since 2006, Charlotte has travelled around the world with Atarangi Muru and Manu Korefa. But there are a few mentors that she draws inspiration from. I had met Dr. Rose Pere as a donor, mm-hmm. and then when Afetia took me, she taught me to, to, to taku taku, you know, what that was, um, in the back of a car in, in Mahia at Auntie Huya's house. Oh, funny. really? We steamed up the windows, and she's teaching me how to taku taku. Um, Which and, is a form of karakia, as I understand, or prayer um, or chant. Or... They're quite prescribed. They're incantations that call to mm. different aspects of nature. A, a lot of them are, majority of them are female, atua, that, that are pretty well invisible um, in contemporary Mataranga Māori and it's only in the older oral oral literature we have like in the Fai Kōr or the old Karaua will come up and they'll bring them all up. When I went to go and meet Papa Delamere, um, that's when I first met Atarangi Muru um, and Manu Korefa and she said to me yeah get up over here and come and help me. So I just did what she was telling me to do. And the other students thought I worked with Atarangi, you know, and that yeah, I was one yeah. of them, but I wasn't. She <laughs> just said, do this, so I did it. And, do that, I did that, you know. And then and I thought, wow, she was really um, amazing. And that's the way she teaches, by actively getting you involved in things. And that's pedagogy Māori, you know. We actively do things. We don't just um, have a classroom where we all sit and listen to one person. We mm-hmm. talk, we, um, we eat, we laugh, we cry and, and we you know we work together so um i uh, was asked after studying with papa delamere fall of 2003 i think about 2006 um i was asked to travel with atarangi mudu and and manikore fun and i said to her hey do you know where i live she goes what i said <laughs> i live in wairua i said if you blink your eyes you'll miss the town i said you know i live there and she said, it doesn't matter where you live. I said, why don't you ask all those guns in Auckland? You know, I come from White And she said, I can see the colours come out, and out of people when they work, you know. And she said, and I can see the colours in your work. So I was very lucky to, to have, uh, honoured 
to be asked to work with them. Um, but I found it very hard because there's so many different cultures and different kaitiaki guardians and things. But it was amazing to, you know, to watch them and listen. And the whole mahi of them, the rumi rumi, to me, because I've just been doing my doctoral thesis on um, the indigenous forms of traditional Māori healing rumi rumi. I think the importance of oral literature, because we're an oral culture, we, we story and re-story. And a karaua wanted my master's thesis. They were the first ones to talk about our tohonga wahine, and because all of our literature and contemporary Māori is all about the tohonga, just the male, and they just left the females out. And I have a few theories about that, but um, my master's thesis was the male and the female tohonga all talked about um, our our tohunga, how the people would call them that. You don't claim that for yourself. You don't say, oh, I am a tohunga, you know. Yeah, yeah, the people yeah. know who does what and when. Yeah. And there's many different kinds, matakite, rumi rumi, and the miri miri, the spiritual manipulation of the energy. Um, so, and they have, they have different things that they might do. You know, you start to learn to, to see the signs around you, like the bird that sings or the fantail that flies on. Oh, look, here's a grasshopper on me. You start to look at the s- spiritual significance of things and what they mean because that's what we call um, the ancient real. And the ancient te reo Māori is nothing like the reo we have today that's taught in the classroom, hea, porotene, you know, those sorts of things. The ancient reo was listening to the voices of nature. And that's what Papa Delamere taught us, you know, listen to the voices of nature, like the rainbow that sits behind us while we talk. Jenny Melbourne comes to mind. Yeah, You know, yeah. the way he used to sing yeah, about the tui and the... Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And the bird that's singing over there, you know. And so we learn to listen to those signs. And so I realised when I got older, the grass means be still. How it works is that you have to silence the mind, you have to sit very, very still and breathe. And and it becomes like a discipline. And if you're able to do that, then yeah, you can, you know, like how Atarangi and and Manu are masters in that work. And Papa Dalami travelled with them. Atarangi was the one who set up all of that work right around the world. And Papa Dalami went with them. But he did his last 10 years of teaching. I was very lucky to have the last year of teaching. Um, with him, and I miss him, yeah, dearly. How has this Wānanga weekend been for you? Oh, fabulous, you know, because I've been doing my doctoral study um, and I haven't had a lot of time to devote because, you know, you work full-time and you do doctoral study, trying to do your, your relationship and your family stuff. And so it's neat to have submitted that with my examiners and to have the time to reconnect with my, my spiritual whānau again, you know, mm. laugh and you joke and, you know, have fun and eat and sing. Mm. And, um, it's, it reminds me... Um, you know, who I really am. Rumi Rumi is not supposed to, obviously it's not supposed to endanger a person, but when you see it, it can, people who haven't seen it before can be like, whoa, quite jarring. I I would say that, you know, though, with some people say that they're Rumi Rumi um, practitioners, and some people say, I've studied with Papa Delamere, and I've never seen them before, you know, and I don't know that, nor do we go, who's that? I say to them, have a good look at the person that, you know, if they're going to work you, have a good look and sit with them first to see, are you tika, are you well? And you'll be able to tell by their eyes. Mm. And, and how I know a good rumi rumi practitioner is that they can sing. And I know when they've got that beautiful voice that they do their takutaku and kapai.
That's how I know a good romirumi practitioner or not. You know, not just the physical look of what they look like, but you can hear and feel their energy coming out of them when they sing. Well, um, ko Charlotte Milden, ingoa. My name is Charlotte Milden, and I come from um, Hastings, born in Hastings, Nui Taungahai. Um, I'm of the Takitimu Waka, and um, and I, I'm what you'd call um, a te omairei a, a rumirumi practitioner. Um, at the moment, it's just about realigning the body again, realigning the hip to the ankles, the heels to the knees, and then the hip back to the shoulders, and then square up all the muscle in between. <laughs> so you just gave Pāropata McGowan a bit of an alignment. Mm-hmm. Can you just, um, what, what did you do to him, essentially? Give him a little... Well, uh, what I was saying, I had to... Realign the ankle back to the knee and the knee back to the hip and the hip back to the shoulders. So you just had to realign everything again. Just by the way he was standing, the way he was sitting, you could see that he was out of alignment. I was, asking, I was just going to ask you, how do you know out that? Out of he... alignment. So you have to start shifting everything back again, widening all the spaces again in the chest cavity, in the stomach area. So you're starting to take all the pressure off or the main organs. Manu Korefa hails from Ngāpuhi. He is a romirumi practitioner and during the Wānanga is charged with teaching the group a couple of Māori songs. He's a bit of a character. When I ask him what his role was, his response was, as little as possible. But dig a bit deeper and Manu says that he was raised with a family that knew all about Mirimiri. My nannies and them did it. My dad did it. My aunties and uncles did it. Everybody did it. So watching people doing midi midi and stuff, it was an everyday event. You saw it everywhere. All day, every day. And then as children, they would tell you to come in and just rub their feet. Oh, yes, yes. Or stand on them. But they'll tell you what, what to do. Then when you're doing about 30 or 40 people, then you soon learn what to do. And then when you start to do a couple of hundred people, then you have a, a little idea of what to do because everybody changes. And then when you start to do thousands of people, then it just becomes like second nature. You've seen how people walk and alignment. You've seen how a muscle structure is. You've seen how the blood flows. You've seen how the energy flows. And you can see how it's not flowing through the body. And like everything, it just takes time and practice and stuff. When it comes to the body work, 90% of the time I'll use my body weight as opposed to using muscle and strength because mm. you'll get tired too fast, too easy. Mm. 
So, so you lean in. So you just lean on everything, shit on everything, <laughs> use your body weight. And the body weight will cut through the body a lot faster than you trying to use muscle. Muscle your way through it. Why I say I try and do as little as possible. The body is made up of three, three beings. You get the physical being, and that deals with the here and the now. What's going on right here, right now. You get the spiritual being, and that deals with yesterday and its emotional past. And then you get the mental being that deals with tomorrow. So when the three of them come into alignment, they produce a fourth being who will just be, be happy, as hard for a lot of people, to be happy, be content, that's really hard for people. Because I've come across so many people that are happy, but they're not content, or they're content, but they're not happy. The two don't go together. No, they haven't figured out how to make them gel together. And then the last one is to be alive. And too many of us are not alive. We're in a dull moment. We're in a lull. Yeah? In the morning, you're just sitting in the wave, trying to figure out which way you're going. So that's the being that we all strive to obtain, the fourth being. But in the reality of the world we live in, we literally created a, a fifth being, the emotional. And it's not saying you live without your emotions. Yeah. But you live where you are the master of your emotions, not they dictate how you live. And for a lot of people, their emotions dictate how they live. Angry, yeah. sad, miserable, but they, they dictate how you live. So usually when we work on people, we look for the emotional being. Because the emotional being likes to get in between everything and start tearing them apart. So we work, look for the emotional being, take that out, and the others will come back together again. What's it like travelling overseas and spreading this mahi? <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard trying to take the Māori out of the Māori. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by that? Because you're Māori, you take your people with you, your language with you. So. Well, uh, we like kai. That's without going, without saying. And are other cultures receptive to what you do in Atarangi? Are they open to receiving? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are now, because we've been travelling. We've been travelling overseas for the last fifteen odd years. So we've built up a little network of people that we meet over the years, and most of them are people we've we've known over yep. the years, and then we meet new people as well. But they're all open to the. To the work. Um, in our travelling, uh, when it comes to the healing aspect of things, uh, the midi midi and the dormi dormi is at the forefront, it's at the top, only because it's still considered new, but it's old, hmm. because we're still considered a new country. We're only 200 years old. So everyone knows about Reiki, everyone knows about Bowen, everyone knows about everything else, but they know nothing about Romi Romi and Miri Miri. So it's a whole new dynamic for people. So now we're getting people from around the world that want to learn to learn Romi Romi and Miri Miri. 
But for us, it's always, if you really want to learn, then you need to come home and learn it. We can teach you so much overseas, but there are some aspects of it we can't teach overseas. We have to do it at home. Whakafanaungatanga, we can only do it at home. Whakapapa, we can only do it at home. Rongwa, we can only do it at home. But do you take your, I mean, you do romi romi over there, you take your tables, um, your equipment? Uh, no, most time we just take lako. Oh, yes. Kohatu. Tables are always provided and stuff. Um, but we'll take our own kohatu. Even our own lako, we'll take our own stuff with us. Because we don't know what theirs are like. Exactly. Some of the, some of the stones I've used over there for, for takutaku and klaki and stuff. The sounds are not the same, they sound different. And I think a lot of it, they've just been altered. Or even the environmental condition has changed them, oh, okay. changed the vibration. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the wood we get the same, yep. vibration stuff we've changed. So we try and take our own stuff with us.
Thank you.